Okay, today's guest on Leave Your Mark is Jerry Vescio, longtime educator and coach at Quaker Valley School District. He is a graduate of Northern Ohio University. He's got his master's and teacher certificate at Slippery Rock and, and master's in education at University of Pitt. He worked as an assistant football coach at the varsity level until 1983 at Quaker Valley. Upon a 31-year hiatus from coaching the sport, Coach Vescio agrees to take on the role as an interim head co football coach at Quaker Valley. For the first time in the school's 62-year history, he guides them to their first ever WPIL championship with a historic 2-0 win over perennial power Aliquippa, and three weeks later lead the Quakers to their first state title in school history. Hi there and welcome. Now it's time for America's, America's favorite, podcast. favorite podcast. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. If it's fly, loose fit it. It's Cortez. If freeze and shove is in it. It's Cortez. Leave your mark. It's about inspiring the world. One guess at a time. Pass the word from Brooklyn to Pittsburgh, from urban to suburb. It's Cortez, you heard? And here is our host, Vince Cortez. Coach, thanks for being here with us today. Hey, Mr. Cortez, glad to be here, man. Uh, exciting to talk a, a little bit about all the things that have gone on the last few years with myself, but certainly um, with that uh, 2017, uh, there's, a, there's a, a guy in town locally here um, that uh, does a lot of stats for, for Quaker Valley Athletics. His name's John Manitza, and I think you probably know John, but um, uh, a long time ago, uh, there were some pretty good teams here at Quaker Valley in, uh, in the early 70s, late 60s and early 70s. And John Manitza would um, term the year of the Quaker as like around 1972 when Keith Starr was around and some good football teams. Uh, but he, he had to acquiesce in 2017 and say, now, you know what? I think 2017 is was definitely the year of the Quaker uh, with regard to not only football, but our our uh, boys soccer team won a state championship that year as well. Well, your years, I mean, you, you coached when I was there. So, yeah. you know, you've, you, you're, you're a lifelong Quaker. And I think the part that excites me the most was how it really galvanized the community. And it, what's interesting is, is uh, Quaker Valley's fantastic at a lot of sports. And, and the, the, the boys and the girls sports do very well. But for whatever reason, that football title is the crown jewel. And for you to accomplish what you did, you, you really, you took the school and its name on a whole nother level. I mean, the excitement of this season was remarkable. I remember uh, seeing on WTAE, you were up for coach of the year. Uh, yeah. with Sports Illustrated. So, uh, you know, why don't you take me from the time here where uh, athletic director uh, Mastriani or Coach Mastriani uh, kind of returns the favor to you these years later, and uh, that sounded like that was kind of abrupt. You you'd kind of gotten on with your life and everything, and then all of a sudden you got a phone call from your good friend. Yeah, I um, I retired from teaching in uh, 2011, and um, but I stayed on as track coach. Uh, I had been a, the head track coach since '98, and I coached track all the way back 19, from 1977 on. So it was a long time that I coached track there. So I was around the school. I hung around, uh, did some stuff in the spring with track, and so Mike and I had a great relationship. Um, 
I was the athletic director before him, so I was instrumental in helping him get the job there. And he, of course, was our basketball coach for a long time, very successful. So um, when this all went down, uh, it was kind of like the end of July uh, of 2017. And um, I, I really remember it quite distinctly. It was, I believe, a Wednesday uh, late in July that um, Mike actually texted me and said, hey, Jerry, I need to talk to you right away. It's important. So uh, I couldn't meet him that same day. So I, I think I went the next day and uh, went into his office and um, he was very, very um, uneasy, you know, very anxious. And that wasn't usually Mike with me. I mean, we're, we've known each other for, uh, you know, 30 years and um, uh, we've had a great relationship. So um, it was, it was a little strange that he, he was uneasy about meeting me in his office and, and he got up and, um, uh, when I walked in, he, he turned around and walked to his door, which he always had open and he, and he closed it and locked it. And mm-hmm. when he did that, I was like, you know, I really was taken aback. So we sat down and he, after a bunch of, um, him and Han and, uh, a bunch of ums and errs, he finally came out with the fact that they, they, uh, administration thought that their head football coach was going to resign within the next few days. And that was very abrupt. Uh, they hadn't really uh, known that he was going to do that. And they might have had an inkling. But um, if the coach resigning did occur, then um, they would be out of coach and they'd have to find an interim one. And the season was going to start in, in uh, about a week. And so what he did was he asked me if I would take on that role and, as an interim coach. And, and I told him, absolutely not. I said, there's no way. I'm not doing that. It's crazy that we, I was actually going on vacation that Saturday. So this was a Wednesday, like the end of July. And I was going on vacation. Leslie and I were going scuba diving. And um, so I was leaving uh, like three days from then. And um, I said, you know, I can't do this, Mike. I said, you know, after I thought about it for a while, for a few minutes, and he's kind of persuaded me to at least think about it. So I, I said, okay, let me come home, go home and talk to my wife. And that's exactly what I did. And Really, we talked about it just very briefly, and she was pretty much on board with saying, look, let's, why don't you do it? Try to help him out uh, at least for a few weeks and until maybe one of the other coaches can take over. So I called Mike back immediately and told him I would accept that if indeed the coach resigned. Uh, let me know. So I went on vacation. Uh, the week we were on vacation, he called me uh, that Wednesday, uh, which was around uh, maybe August 1st, somewhere like that. And uh, said that the coach did resign, and I told him I would come back uh, that Saturday, meet with him, and then Monday we would start practice. Obviously, this was a very special group. Uh, how how did these uh, kids begin to reveal themselves? I mean, and, and it, you kept the whole coaching staff as well, is what I understand. So, yeah. I mean, they're probably, you know, scratching their head or wondering if one of them was going to be the head coach. You know, there's probably a whole bunch of scenarios that could have gone there. But then, you know, the kids, uh, uncharacteristically, this was an army of football players instead of a handful that Quaker yeah. would usually have. So when did you discover this? Well, um, you, you hit some of the kind of key points that had to happen before we actually, you know, before I actually met with the kids. Um, they, most of them didn't know that their head coach had resigned um, because it was so abrupt and because there was no inkling of that. Uh, maybe a few of them did. And the coaches um, certainly had some inkling of the fact because several of them were really good friends with, with the head coach. So uh, really the first thing that, that, that I did with Mike um, 
was talk to the coaches. We had to find out who was going to be on and who wasn't going to, who was going to be, um, you know, staying on and who wasn't. And thankfully most of them did. And um, that was really one of the key things as to how I think the season was successful is because those coaches stayed on. If, if none of those guys would have come back or maybe one or two of them, it would have been, it would have been chaos. And so I want to ask you real quick, how, um, with you coming in that quick, uh, how, did you know any of these fellas or? Uh, I only knew a few of them. Yeah, I knew I knew them by name. I mean, I, I didn't really know them personally. I knew one of the guys who was on the staff, Bob Patterson was on the staff and he played for me back in the 80s. And um, I, I knew his son from track and and I knew um, one of the other guys was um, Tom Pipkins, who was, who was a colleague of mine at the high school. Um, and uh, he was coming on new though. He was going to be a first year coach. He had agreed to do that long before the resignation of the head coach. So I knew Tom, but the other guys, um, the key guys, the key component people that were there for, for several years with coach Tatoria before, uh, and, um, I, I really didn't know. So it, it was a, it was very tense, uh, with regard to having those come in, those guys come in. Now, I mean, I know you and you have a very easygoing personality. So this definitely was probably one of the reasons Coach Mastriani want to bring you back. You know, you kind of helped smooth it over. Um, I personally, when I heard you were the coach, I thought it was a perfect pick. I had no idea all of this was going on. Yeah, there, there, had, some, there had to be some massaging done uh, of the coaching staff. Um, and, and ultimately, um, I think the very first day that we met, which was, which was, you know, you think about it, Chip, this is a Monday morning we did this. Monday morning practice was to start at 3 o'clock that afternoon. Oh. So Monday, Monday morning at 11 o'clock. Mike and I meet with the coaches and for the first time to let them know that I'm going to be the interim head coach. So this is, this was a crazy, I mean, a crazy few hours. Um, And I think ultimately though, what really helped was that first meeting that we had. And when they all agreed to, to come back, uh, one of the things I impressed upon them from the very first was that if they were going to come and coach, that I expected them to coach. And I don't know if that makes any sense to maybe a lay person, but um, coaching staffs are sometimes, there's a lot of personalities and a lot of egos on coaching staffs. And um, as a head coach, especially in the football, in the realm of the football uh, type of organization, if, if you have coaches that are your assistants and you don't let them do their thing uh, with, your, with your, you know, supervision, and have have them be responsible for things, then it's going to be a hard road to hoe for you. Um, so I let them know that that very first day that if they were going to stay on, I expected them to coach and be responsible for their coaching actions throughout the entire year. So I think they took that to heart. Um, and so every week, I, I made sure I impressed upon them that I gave them a responsibility but by God, when we got out on the field for a practice, that they were going to be the ones to do the coaching and, um, and make sure they were prepared to do that. And, and they didn't fail. How did the kids respond to you? Well, three o'clock, we had a, you know, I had to come out and meet the kids. And, and then Mike introduced me. And um, there were a lot of tears in that locker room because they, they heard that for the first time, that their head coach was not coming back. And uh, so there was a lot of shock. This was a senior-laden team. Um, there were a dozen seniors on that team. Most of them were going to be starters and had a, a lot invested in the summer 
uh, of learning what to do uh, in this new year. Um, so there was a lot of shock involved, but um, I kept that, that encounter very brief, uh, told them that I had their, their best interest at heart, um, that I was going to be there for them the whole season, and their coaching staff was as well. Uh, we want to talk about any past uh, circumstances that, are, that arose from their head coach resigning that we were moving forward from that day, and uh, let's get on the field in five minutes. That's pretty much what I told them. Now, that actually it turns out to be the mantra of the, of the season as well as the title of your book, and that seems to keep coming up as well as in individual stories uh, on the team is keep moving forward. So um, you, get, you start practicing. Um, do, you, do you think initially that this team has the ability to win a WPIL? Well, that never came to my mind that first week. I was just trying to get my head wrapped around um, you know, some, some offensive and defensive terminology and uh, what the coaching staff had already had in because, I get, again, I gave them the responsibility with an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, and, and, and they took on the, the, the task of implementing uh, all the things that we did that year and starting from that very first day, all the drills that we ran, all the schemes that we had. Um, so, you know, I left it up to them and all I did was, you know, kind of manage that. And um, it, it seemed to work out really well. That first week we, we got on the field for heat acclimatization. We had to do that for the first week in football now in Pennsylvania. That's a kind of a new thing the last few years. So um, we were on the field, and just went over drills and um, the coaches took a, took a, an active role in, in setting all those things up. And, and the kids responded, you know, they, they really never, never, um, never blinked with regard to me being there. And I slowly got to know each and every one of them personally and um, kept trying to repeat things to them that, that I thought were really important. And um, the first time, Chip, that, that, that I um, noticed some really important things about the team, though, was maybe the third day and how quickly they adapted to the drills that they were doing how mistake free we were in those, even those first couple of days with regard to offensive and defensive schemes. It really was a shock to me how, how uh, cerebral they were, how intense they were, how focused they were uh, in light of, despite all the, the, the turmoil that they had uh, that very first day. What's interesting is those are not words that you would use to describe a high school athlete either. That, that's, that's right. That That's sounds right. more like you're talking about a, a higher college level or a pro player. Yes. So the idea then, not, not even as individuals, you're referencing them as a unit the whole time I noticed here. So that, yeah. that was unique. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You are listening to, listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark. So... We come into the season and I mean, you jump out of the gate. You're like four or five and oh right away. Some of those games you were expected to win. Competition yeah. might not have been as tough, but the tougher games were around the corner. So this team started to gel. Uh, the media started to jump in and, and uh, the, the notoriety was beginning to happen. You know, they started to, to kind of uh, be hungry for our story. Um, and um, then the fifth game of the season, we went down to Central Valley. And um, 
when we got into that locker room down there, I, I don't think I've ever seen a more focused group of kids. Um, we were 4-0 coming into Central Valley, and Central Valley has good football. You know, yeah, they're they state championship, or they're yeah. going to probably state championship this year. They were in it last year. And uh, Coach Lyon is a, is a great football coach, and they have some great athletes there. So we go down there, and um, from the very first kick, uh, from the very first minute of that game, they they our guys were just all over the place with regard to uh, performing as expected. We we thumped them thirty nine nothing, and the media was lurking after the game. and um, and the, and the the theme that I distinctly remember, and, and Chip, I'll tell you, these guys, especially the seniors, I heard it over and over again throughout the rest of the season. We t- I talked to them that night after the game about how good they were but that they had to stay humble and that um, they had to thank their teammates, their families, their coaches. And um, if they could do that and not be arrogant about how good they were, then we could go a a long way. And and there were times throughout the year when, when reporters would interview our guys and um, those words came back. Um, So I'm proud. Yeah. I was proud of the fact that, that they listened and they not only heard what I said, but they took it to heart. Um, so we were good. We knew we were good. Um, but but being humble, I think, made them understand that um, it, that's more important. I, I basically told them that night that um, um, if you're humble, that that brings that brings people to your side. That makes a leader. Yeah. And, uh, arrogance brings det- detractors. Exactly. Now this is a this gets good because uh, you're four and zero. You're in the section and the. The coaches have forged together. The kids have forged together. Uh, you got to be getting your sea legs back at the coaching helm. So now, now we're 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 ticking here. Yeah. So uh, you've got what? Uh, you beat Central, so you got what? Beaver, Hopewell. We had Hopewell, Beaver and I think Fall. uh, Beaver Falls had just wanted WPIL the year before, didn't they? They were scary, but they were on a down year, and. Then came the seventh game of the season. Uh, no, we were seven and zero into the eighth game of the season. Is was when we met Aliquippa at our place. They were seven and zero as well. So two undefeated teams. Again, the media hype was uh, intensified because we we were picked. It was our home game, and we were picked to be the game of the week on AT and T Sports, which was live football feed around the the region, the Pittsburgh area. So. So Quaker Valley had never been in that situation before. I mean, yeah. Aliquip had been for many times, but um, that was new. That was new, uh, new territory for us. So not only were we, you know, excited about that, but um, I think that added a little bit more pressure to us. The kids, I think, responded really well. We we were a little flat coming out against Aliquip in that first uh, the first half. They went up on us a couple of scores. But we ended up coming back and and scoring on them. It was actually the first score that they had the first touchdown on their defense all season long. They yeah. had put out a shutout um, on, on defense that whole season. But it, it was interesting because uh, there were some unpleasantries at the end of the game, and that really wasn't characteristic of Quaker <laughs> Valley. Uh, usually they just kind of lick their wounds and uh, get off the field, and these kids had some fire. They did not like losing that game. And no. I, to me, that was the first time I saw this team live. I knew something was going on then besides the record because yeah. I, I saw a, a fire and a level of competitiveness that I'd never seen there before. So, uh, and, and the conversation was is if we get a chance at them again, I think we could take them. 
So yep. you just had that put in the back of your head immediately. So, okay, so now we're, you're going to finish up the season and um, you got Seat and LaSalle away and, and it's just no, no breather, really. They're, they're not in your conference. Right. But they're undefeated. So this, yep. this plays out as a crazy game because you can't have a letdown coming in down the stretch, especially after what had been accumulated. So, uh, you know, how, how does this play out? Yeah, and then we, we have to go down to Peters Township, I think, to play them and because uh, that's that was their home field that year. And they had a they had a running back named Lionel Deans who was just tearing it up. I mean, he was he was rushing for 150, 200 yards, 250 yards a game. So we knew we had to, you know, had to stop him. And uh and, and going into that game, I mean, we had an offense that was pretty doggone prolific and certainly a defense that was pretty doggone tough too. Uh, we ended up, uh, I think, holding him to that day. Um, I think 19 yards on 17 carries. So we ended up waxing them pretty good too down there that day um, to, to, to let everybody know that, um, you know, we were for real on both sides of the ball. Now then, so the season closes up and do you get, um, did you win the section or do you tie? No, no we tied, we tied with, uh, no, Aliquippa won the section because uh, we were, we had one loss to them. Yeah, to them. Um, so we ended up, uh, you know, second in the section, but we ended up getting the second seed in the, in the WPIL. Okay, um, so you get a bye? No, we didn't get a bye. That, that year there were eight teams in the tournament, so everybody played on the first week. Um, we uh, we uh, got uh, paired up with Derry High School, and uh, we had our first ever home Quaker, first ever home playoff game in the history of the school. In 62 years, they never had a home playoff game, and um, so that was our first playoff Semis, we got to come back and play Seton Sal again. They had won their their quarterfinal match and got into the semis, so we we you know had to meet them again. We knew we beat them once, but um, you know anything could happen. They're looking and, for revenge too. Yeah, you know. And they ended up. Uh, I think the, the 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 running back got some yards on us in the first half, but we, again we shut them down pretty good. Got them good against. I think we ended up scoring around thirty in the in a in the second half and beat them going away. Now, the, the stage is set here. So you're coming in to Heinz Field, the WPIL final, as predicted. You know, you made it to the prediction now. Yep. Some of the stuff kind of getting off the field again. Now, uh, Ricky Gus, uh, the numbers that he had put up, he was being recognized uh, in, in, as one of the best high school athletes, uh, two-way athletes for basketball and football that yeah. the WPIL had ever seen. So – the the backstory there you mentioned earlier about his mother and then his younger brother Isaac these these two are two integral parts of uh the mental psyche of the team and yep. you know we're still going through this she she's healed and better but it, it you know uh the the story at home continues over there so can you kind of give us a, an idea of how these two were um affecting the rest of the team with their behavior. Well, yeah, I mean, after, after mom got that clear uh, a report, um, you know, things, things weren't, weren't uh, still back to normal. I mean, she had gone through a tremendous uh, battle. So, um, you know, those kids had, had uh, seen that, you know, and to, have, to be able to stay focused like they were throughout this, the entire season, I think is an incredible feat. Uh, a lot of kids would have folded, um, and, and those guys didn't. They had a strong, uh, you know, their their mom and dad had had, had a strong 
uh, support group there for them and um, enabled them to, to stay focused on, on their ath athletics uh, during that time. Ricky ended up being, um, you know, the, the, one of the leading uh, scorers in, in the WPIL. He ended up having, I think, 2,000 yards passing and 1,000 yards running. I think only three or four other quarterbacks in the history of the league had ever done that. Uh, and that goes back a long way. Yeah, I mean, outside of – and you had pro player Terrell Pryor uh, yeah. was one of the uh, – playing at Ohio State. So the, the level which he, his talent as well as the numbers he was putting up was right there. Right, and, and it uh, wasn't like we were playing against uh, slouch teams. You know, several of our teams in the conference were, were tough, and then we had to you – know, there was our playoff games involved there too. So it wasn't like there was something uh, that he was just adding numbers to. Um, and then, and then of course, um, you know, Isaac being, being uh, one of our defensive stalwarts, um, he, he never missed a beat either. He was always working hard and, and uh, try to perfect his craft. One of the mantras, you know, we talked about moving forward. One of the things I impressed upon the kids was to try to get better at one little thing each day. If you can do that, um, then we're going to be successful on Friday night. Well, I, I think we hear in the inside of that, um, my father having been a coach as well, I, I don't know if you were intentionally doing it or, it, you know, it was just happening that way, trying to get into your comfort zone with the coaches and the players. But you were, you were building a mindset from the time you walked in the door that these folks needed to be in if they were going to be winners, let alone, you know, champions. So, um, yeah. I think your your experience and uh, your maturity and having been there before really paid out in spades here because uh, you you kept them all calm when they could have been getting erratic or full of themselves or all of the pageantry, especially when the media shows up and, and wants to know what's going on over here. So um, yeah, that was then that was big. I want to go into because I, I like the the pregame and the postgame speeches. So, take me into the locker room um, for the WPIL champ. We're going to play Aliquip again. You're at Heinz Field, the premier stage, and uh, the juice has got to be flown for you. I mean, uh, all the years you had coached before, I never saw anything like that. So, it, a little bit surreal, I'm sure. Yeah, it was it was like a, a dream, you know. We we pull up to the stadium, and well, let me let me go back real quick, uh, Chip, about the uh, pre, you know, that week prior to the, the Heinz Field game was was just exciting all over the place. I mentioned before that, you know, we had a soccer team that was um, that was going to a state championship that week. They were going to play at Hershey on Friday. We were going to play Saturday at Heinz Field, and they they were leaving for for um, Hershey on Thursday. So we had a big pep rally and send off and the football team was a part of that and um so they get to they get to Hershey on Friday and our Friday practices are usually pretty well our, our uh, day before the game practice Friday was usually the game day but since we were playing on Saturday Friday was a practice day so um Quakers soccer team was playing in, in the afternoon on Friday when we were supposed to be at practice so we get to the we get to the field house, get ready for practice, and, and I'm I'm not going out to practice because we're going to jam everybody into a little tiny room that we had as the coach's office with a big TV, and we're going to watch the ending of this this soccer game because our boys are playing. 
and we did. So we, uh, we screamed and yelled in there. Uh, you know, it was late. there probably had to be 45 or 50 guys in that room uh, that could really only easily fit maybe 20. And, um, and so we were screaming and yelling in there for our guys that ended up winning the state championship. So, uh, and then, and then also that week we had, um, we get a call from um, Sports Illustrated who wants to come and be in our locker room and go with us to the game against the Quips. So the lady comes in and does, does the whole week with us and, um, you know, is in our locker room for that pregame speech. And so, you know, that's where we are now. And you, know, you talked about how, what's it like to get into Heinz field. And it's it, it certainly, you know, as a, as a Pittsburgh guy, as a Quaker Valley guy, you're, you know, I've been a season ticket holder to, to uh, Steeler games, you know, since the eighties. So, um, my son and I have, uh, we go to the games and I sit in the upper deck. So they played on Thursday night, actually, that week. And uh, so Brian and I are at the, at the game on Thursday night, look at them on the field and um, knowing that we're going to be down there on uh, Saturday playing, playing, the, playing the quips. So um, it, was, it was a very surreal atmosphere. Uh, we had to be in, of course, one of the visiting locker rooms. Um, the locker rooms are very, you know, kind of standard locker rooms, but just bigger. Um, but the pregame talk that I had with those guys that day um, really was one that I, I thought about a lot. Um, usually my pregames were kind of off the cuff a lot of times, but um, this one I, I, I had to make sure we, we talked about being a champion, and, and that's what I did that day with them. That's exciting. Yeah, you, uh, that's really inspiring what you have said there in the book. Now, um, you're oozing with confidence. I saw you in a pregame interview here. And, uh, you know, we're all still a little unsure because this isn't what we're used to as football fans at Quaker Valley. So it was like, are we going to come here in the big stage and lay an egg or are we going to be <laughs> the team that we thought we were throughout the year? And, uh, I mean, I've been watching sports for probably 40 years. I've never seen a 2 nothing game before, <laughs> ever. I mean, I, probably thousands of games. Neither has that entire uh, league over its like hundred. I don't know how many years it's been ex in existence. A long time. Uh, never. There's never been a, a championship game. But, and, and the irony then of their defense, Aliquippas did what they did. They held you scoreless. Yeah. Your defense was better than theirs because you scored two <laughs> points. Yeah. It's 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 a laugh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, at halftime we were sitting there saying this game can't end at two nothing. There's no way it can end it to nothing. But if, you know, the way that it was playing out, you could see that your guys had gotten that rematch that they wanted. And there was a mental wearing down of Aliquippa. And you could see that beginning to take root. And as the second half went on, they began to play unsure and uncharacteristic like the quips. I think fatigue set in a little bit. I think there was mental fatigue because they, they just couldn't crack, uh, crack our, our, our defense. Um, they held us, but couldn't crack our defense. I don't think it, he – did they get past midfield in the second? If they did, it was brief. The first half they did – they got down, I think, to the 11-yard line, and then we ended up backing them up to the – it was like – ended up being like fourth and 43 or something. Crazy. But in the second half, the only time I think they got past midfield was in the last series. Yeah. And, very last minute of the game. Yeah, because then you got you got the interception, and then that sealed the deal. All right, so now you're WPIL champs on top of the world. You're hosting the trophy up down at Heinz Field. Yeah. And the guys 
are hungry for more. So, I mean, at that point, it, it could have ended right there and would have been a phenomenal story. But right. you know, still you know, realizing all of what was going on, how these kids were forging and maturing, coming together, overcoming injuries, overcoming personal issues with cancer and their families, yourself. And, and here, here we're going into the state final. Or we, we, yeah. what was it? You won three well, games and then you're in a state no, final. No, as a WPL champ, we got to get a bye. Okay. State tournament. So we ended up going into the semis at that first game. But um, the week of the, the week of the bye, though, was an important week for us. A lot of reporters had talked to me about what we, you know, what are we going to do? So we were on a roll. Why do you want to, you know, is it good to have a bye week? And I kept saying, as our coaching staff did as well, yeah, we'll take the bye. We rested our kids. We didn't go in pads for 10 days. Um, when we got back in pads, Chip, uh, after those 10 days on the field, at our practice field, I think it was a Tuesday or Wednesday of the week before the state semis, those guys, that it was, it was probably the best week of practice that we had all year. They were intense as all get out. Um, and I knew going in, we had uh, scouted Sharon. That's who we were going to play in that uh, semifinal game. We ended up playing him at North Hills again, uh, where we went, where we went um, and, and had the Heinz Field game where we, we beat St. LaSalle. But anyway, um, Sharon had a good football team, and um, there, there, was no, there was no way they were beating us. We ended up um, thumping them pretty good, too. And um, Yeah, I think you got them like 42 to 14 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So now you're going into the state final. You're going to Hershey. So now this isn't surreal. This is all playing out. You won a yeah. WJL. And what's the mindset coming into the championship game against Middletown? Um, we, of course, hadn't seen them in person live, um, had some film on them. Um, they were they had gone to the state championship the year before. I think they were undefeated. I think they were 14-0 and or something like that. Um, had some incredible scoring uh, performances throughout the year, a, a tremendous defense, some great athletes, uh, a coach who'd been there for some time who, who had a reputation of being a strong uh, teacher. Um, so, so, you know, we had our work cut out for us. So we scattled them throughout the whole year though. Um, I think I might have to, I have to mention, we, we really hadn't um, been very complicated in what we did both defensively and offensively. We kept sticking to very simple, basic kinds of offensive and defensive schemes. We didn't add a lot each week. To, we, we scouted our opponent. We didn't change up things. Going over some, some meeting things for the week, coaches would want to try to add or detract some things. And I, and I kept pushing that we just stay the same. Let's stay. You know, what we've been doing has been working. Um, let's not try to, you know, reinvent the wheel. Uh, we kept doing that week after week after week things kept working. We just kept perfecting the things that we did. And I think for that reason, our kids, and it's, you know, as an athlete yourself, talking to a lot of athletes over the years, um, when things become instinctual to you and you don't have to think, that's when you play your best. Yep. And so our kids were like that from, I think, game five or six on. And we, we didn't have to think out there. We knew exactly what to do at every step of the way. I didn't have a lot of time to think about it as it was going on because number one, it happened so fast. And then, you know, we just won a game, then another game and then another game. We just kept getting on a roll. And uh, every week I'd, you know, come home and there'd be some people here at our, our place and we'd celebrate a little bit and I'd say, okay, I guess, you know, we're going to move on to next week and, and win again. So, and it kept happening. 
No, you, like I said, your confidence was huge because your interviews, when you were on the interviews, I'm like, oh, we're going. Coach Fest has got it. We're going. This We're going to win this one. He's, he's yeah. completely confident. If you have a story to share, tell us. How are you going to leave your mark? Leave your mark. Contact us. Leave your mark with our host, Vince Cortez. Be our guest. All right, I'm going to do something real quick here. I want to list some of the accolades that you accomplished there real quick. You were nominated for the Don Shula Award in NFL High School Coach of the Year, Head yep. Football Coach of the Year of the Pits, from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Head Football Coach of the Week from the Steelers, WPXI Skylights WPIL Class 3A Coach of the Year, MAC Conference Coach of the Year, Tripway PIA Coach of the Year, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Beaver County Times, the National Italian Sports Hall of Fame, Dominic T. Rapo Award. I mean, this goes on and on. This, this <laughs> is so exciting to see what had happened here. And, you know, so I, I want to wrap this up because, uh, you know, everybody that comes on, I ask them, what you, you leave your mark. How would you like to be remembered? After all these years, which seemed relatively quiet, you're, you know, coaching track and uh, influencing kids' lives in another way. And this, this just, this is like a genie out of a lamp type yeah. of a thing that happens. So how would you like to be remembered? Well, your, your, um, your program is, is pretty um, appropriate for, I think, you know, what, it, what, it, um, what happened to me. Um, in in just something that never imagined um you don't certainly plan for anything like this you know there, there are guys out there who coach their entire life and um they aspire to be you know a champion they want to go to the championship i mean that's your ultimate goal every year should be that you want to win a championship and you know if, every year that i had uh, our track program when i was the head coach i would always talk to our kids at the very on the very first day about what their goals were and they had individual goals, plus they had team goals. But I always said to them, you know, our, our goal here is to win a, a section championship. We want to win a WPIL team championship. And we want to go to the state championship. And we want to have individuals compete on a high level with the state meet. That was our goal every single year. It didn't change. Did we always accomplish that? Absolutely not. So as a coach, you know, to leave your mark, I think, is, is, is what I did was throughout my career, I left that mark with, with students and athletes to let them know that always aspire to be the best you can be. Um, it, it's not always going to happen. In fact, most of the time it won't. Uh, you won't get, up, get to that championship level. But if you can work every day to get better at something, um, one little thing each day, that it's going to pay off for you, not only in the sport that you're, um, that you, that you're working at, but in, in life in general, and it, and it teaches so many more things than just, you know, how to throw a football or how to, how to run a pass pattern. Um, so so I, I think that's one of the things that I'm most proud of, as well as you mentioned at the, the very beginning, how our community got so excited and, and um, proud of, of what we did and what we accomplished. accomplished. To me, that's, that's the most humbling and exciting thing that I was able to do was to, to help bring about that excitement to the community. Well, I can tell you, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. You know, having oh. been a, a, an athlete that you coached and remembering uh, those years and, and the influence that you left on me to see that this is what happened to you 
was really heartwarming. You were, couldn't have been more deserving. Well, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, it, di it didn't come, I think all the stars kind of aligned, but, um, and as I think about, you know, what transpired, um, I had to have some, you know, you don't want to be uh, arrogant about it. And I want to stay humble, uh, which is important, but I think there had to be some, some spark of something in there that, that enabled us to do what we did collectively. Um, yeah. I was, I was kind of the, the, the manager of it all. Um, I talk about uh, how I felt about that in the book, uh, about how I, how I was able to maybe, um, you know, manage all those components and put them together. Um, and uh, and I, I think that it obviously came out, obviously. It, it was great. Out. It was absolutely great. You get to be the magic in, in the, uh, the potion. It, yeah. it all came together. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming by today, Coach. I appreciate hey. it. I love this story. This is so oh. heartwarming. It feels so good. Always a pleasure. Uh, Moving Forward is the name of the book. Um, it's called Moving Forward, and it's uh, appropriately titled. Uh, we have a website, movingforward-book.com, and you can get our a book on Amazon, and hopefully people can get it for a Christmas gift. I'm going to put your uh, – uh, Put your uh, oh, podcast we'll, on here. I'll Post. set you up with some links so we can drop that on there. Yeah, thanks. All right, Coach. I appreciate you coming by. Hey, Chip. See you, man. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Leave Your Mark today. Tune into our next episode of Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. Be blessed. You just left your mark. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez.